The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Hewitt. I'm sure you've seen The Devil Wears Prada, and maybe that's inspired you to have a job working at a magazine. But what is working at a magazine really like? In this episode, I'm joined by Christina Rodolfo, beauty director of Women's Health, and prior, she was at Elle Magazine. She's sharing her tips for networking, where to find an internship, and how to pitch yourself. So if you're interested in a job at a publication, keep listening. Christina, thank you so much for joining us on Life with Mariana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on. I'm so honored to have you here. And we've known each other for years, but really we got to spend some like special time with each other uh, last year on a beauty trip. We were in Milan and we spent the whole day together and it was just like the best, (laughs) most memorable day. I was hanging out with your mom. We We were window shopping and going to all these stores. Yes, it was a lot of fun. It was really fun. And that's what I love about like influencer trips that I used to be on because before I think there wasn't really a lot of crossover between like influencers and editors. I feel like a lot of people Mm -hmm. were really, you know, kept apart almost. Even if you go to like brand events or dinners, they usually seat us at different tables. But I love going on brand trips because I get to know other people's industries. And I think what you do is so interesting. So I want to hear a little bit about your role, where you are now and what you did leading up to your current job. Sure. So right now I'm the beauty director at Women's Health Magazine. It's a national magazine. We have, you know, monthly issues in print and I also work on the website. So it's different at every publication you go to. Some editors are only on the digital side of things and some editors are only on the print side of things, but I juggle both. So that's the first time I've ever had to do that. Prior to that, I was really just focused on online. You know, I was coming up in the industry and, you know, when I was studying journalism, I felt like blogging was really big. It's kind of that, you know, it's kind of when bloggers started getting big, then magazines started catching on to that and wanting to have their websites big as well. So uh, I decided to start interning all over the place at everywhere from harpersbazaar.com to stylecaster.com. And all through college, I went to NYU. I I just kept doing that. Uh, And then I started working at magazines like InStyle and Elle Magazine. And Elle Magazine is actually where I've been the longest. I was there for four years as a beauty editor and also covering a whole bunch of other things. And this is always something that people are surprised to hear that I started out kind of like you, Marietta, with like celebrity news and entertainment. (laughs) And I I would, uh, you know, just just cover everything under the sun. But beauty was really where my passion was. I love beauty because what I love about it most is that I feel like it gives back to women in a way that makes them feel more confident and totally. empowered. And although I love my celebrity gossip, I just felt like <laughs> in beauty, I felt like specifically, like if you try a new product and your skin improves, and I know you share your skin journey a lot, like you just feel so much more confident about everything you have to do with beauty. And that's what I love about the industry so much. And I think too, like your perspective 
because you share so much and then also being a Filipino American, I think you have a unique perspective when you're sharing. And so when you think about the brands that you cover and the products that you cover, do you think about being Filipino American and like different brands you want to either share or focus on or products that you think will work well for those skin types? Yeah, absolutely. I I'm constantly thinking about more than just the products. You know, I'm always thinking about the story of the brand, the founders behind the brand, what the brand's mission is. So wherever I can, I always try to uplift, especially those from marginalized communities. So as a Filipino American woman, I grew up and I really didn't feel represented in magazines. I didn't feel like I saw myself in them or in the cover or in the beauty pages or in advertisements. So going into the beauty industry, I've always been so determined to just try and break that mold a little bit, you know, where I can hire a Filipino makeup artist, find a subject or do a story on someone who's Filipina as well and and try to open those doors too, because it's so hard. I feel like our the industry that I'm in is so network-based. So it's all about who you know. And if you don't know anyone, then there's no way to get in. So especially with beauty brands, I'm always open to learning more about new ones. I really make the effort to constantly meet with new brands just because you never know what gems there could be, you know, behind the ones that are, that don't have the big companies behind them and that are independent. So I'm especially like really inclined to look at brands that are from founders who are women of color, especially just because I feel like that's my duty. And, and, and the part of the power that I have in my position is to really uplift people and, and tell their stories and make people feel less alone and, and seen, you know, beauty is highly subjective, but you don't know what's out there unless people like me in my position show you and, and, and paint what isn't conventionally beautiful as beautiful. I love that. And I feel like you do such a great job of that. And I love following you because I feel like I get like the background before something is published. And I think you do use social really well. And I think it goes hand in hand, especially because you had a background in digital first and you thought about that as a career before magazines really had caught on board. So because of that, you probably see brands on social all the time before maybe like a publicist gets it to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of them slide into the DMs. <laughs> so, and and I totally respect the hustle. I'm all about the hustle. Like, I get it. I have definitely cold emailed people who I did not know whatsoever to try and get an interview. And uh, I applied constantly to jobs when I didn't know anyone. You know, there's that's one thing. It's like I didn't have any connections. I didn't really have any mentors or, or anyone that could help me out and, and break into the industry. So it was really all about knocking on so many doors. <laughs> And I knocked on a ton. (laughs) And I know that you were really good at that. And I feel like you have to, my mom says like, you have to PR yourself. So she's like, you have to like advocate for yourself and like really pitch yourself to people. And one of my favorite things you posted is your career journey. And you posted old screenshots of emails when applying and looking for jobs. So can you tell me a little bit about that and where you ended up? Oh my gosh. It's, it was funny because it was just when I started my job at Women's Health and I looked back and decided to see when I applied to jobs. And one of them was for a job at Women's Health and I didn't get it. So it's, it was kind of a funny full circle moment. And, and I remember I had been laid off from my very first job. I worked at a startup website right out of college. And as sometimes happens with startups, it got acquired and then the entire team was laid off. So it was kind of a shock to me when I was 22 and 
didn't, I didn't know what to do or where to go. So I was just constantly applying to jobs and constantly reaching out to editors and asking them if I could freelance and asking them to coffee and any opportunity that there was any connection that I knew there, I emailed them and I was like, hi, I applied to this job. Let me know if you know anything. And, you know, I just tried to, to, to use whatever connections I had to, to get a foot in the door. And of course, oftentimes didn't hear back at all. Not even no, I just didn't hear back. <laughs> Which totally happens now. And it's funny because I remember I had reached out to someone when we wanted to launch at Sephora. And I only knew at that time, like a few people that had brands there. And I had reached out to someone and I was like, hi, I would really love if you could make an introduction to me to someone at Sephora. And they just never replied to me. And I saw oh, the no. email and it was like, you know, I was just trying to get in any way I could. And then ended up a friend uh, who also has a brand there. It's Jen Atkin. Without even asking, she offered it. And it was like, you know, she was so kind to do that. And then other people was asking, they didn't even want to reply, reply back to me. So you really oh, just man. have to like do go through the effort yourself. But now that you have the job, what exactly does a beauty editor or beauty director, what do you do and what are your responsibilities? Sure. So it's it's very confusing when you you don't see the behind the scenes because what I post on Instagram it kind of just looks like I get facials all day. One facials are a thing. <laughs> it looks like it literally looks like oh your entire day is get, getting facials or a massage and like a manicure and then opening boxes and playing with with products and and that's all part of the job for sure. And there was definitely more of that pre pandemic life, but now I would say what people I I wish they knew is all the behind the scenes work, which is all of the research and the reporting that happens. So in my training, I'm a journalist. I went to school for journalism. So what I love to do is to, to talk to experts and talk to experts like dermatologists and and ask them everything about trends and skin concerns and and coming up with ideas. I think the biggest part of my job is coming up with stories and creative ways to talk about trends in the beauty world and translate them for our readers. It's all about helping people, our readers, feel confident and feel empowered to make their own decisions when it comes to beauty. So if it's about skincare, like acne, acne is a huge topic that we cover because it has so much to do with your self-esteem. And it's a personal issue for me that I've spoken a lot about on social because it affected my confidence so much and my mental health so much that it inspired me to become an expert on it, you know, that I, I wanted to help people. And so part of my job is is trying to find those those points of interest where people have questions, you know, is what is everyone talking about these days these days? Is it wanting to get curtain bangs. I saw you got curtain bangs, Marietta. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of curtain bangs. I was tempted. TikTok tempted me. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's like paying attention to things that are happening on social media, trying to understand, okay, is this just a fad or is this a long-term trend or what is this saying about our society today and our culture today and, and interpreting that. So I, I like to think of myself as an interpreter of all the confusing stuff that happens in beauty, because as you know, there's so many launches, there's so many brands, there's so many things to know about ingredients and layering products and all of these questions. And it's my job to answer all of that and, and try things and, and, you know, interpret them in a way that you will understand. And I know like trends in beauty, especially if there's like a hot product or topic or something happens, it's so immediate. How have you shifted your mindset of thinking what's appropriate for print versus digital because the longer, you know, lead times? 
Oh, that, man, the lead times are so, this was like such a huge adjustment for me. Cause I was like, wait, we are planning six months out. What? <laughs> it's like, we're working now on April and March issues and it's only November right now. So it's, it's really having to think in different parts of my brain. One of the parts of my brain is the one that's thinking almost like I have a crystal ball and I'm looking forward and I'm trying to think, okay, what will people care about once it's spring? And other part of my brain is for digital, which is more responding to immediate trends, as you're saying, you know, things that are happening right now and how to capitalize on that and how to talk about it in the moment. And I think that that's the beauty of of being flexible with having two different types of outlets. Having print, I can kind of take a little bit more time with researching and writing something and putting a lot of love into it. And online, I have the the amazing ability to just have the urgency of putting something up right away if, if it's trending. And then how has your views, I guess, on beauty shifted now that you're at a health magazine? Because I imagine it's a little bit different. I don't know if it's more wellness-based now, or maybe it's like a holistic approach to beauty. Oh my gosh, it's changed so much. And I think this year has definitely changed my routine just because I I like to identify myself as a very glam girl. Like I all, always have my hair done, and your red lipstick, lipstick on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> see, you know, I always have my red lipstick on, my lash extensions. Like I I am a full glam girl in it and I embrace it and I love it. And because, you know, there's been so much staying home this year, I feel like I've really embraced more skincare and less makeup and more of a bare face. And I feel like that reflects how my beauty philosophy has changed shifting from the fashion magazines world to going to a health publication because the girl, like our girl at women's health, she is so much more interested in the health of her skin and wanting to wear less makeup and, and looking dewy and healthy, as opposed to wanting to try the latest eyeliner trend or doing something that's inspired by fashion week, which is what my background was before. So I would say that it's changed in a way that is so much more, like you said, holistic. I think that I love to think of beauty as inner than outer, because I think before I, because my skin was so bad, I used to kind of cover up a lot. Like I, I would wear pounds of foundation, lots of concealer because I was really self-conscious about my acne and I felt like I needed it to feel confident. And now, because I understand how to actually support the skin from the inside out, and that's, that's wellness practices, that's exercise, drinking a lot of water, eating really clean. And that's what, give, that's what gives you, you know, beauty from the inside out. That's what I've learned. I love that too. I love that you share your journey and that you share before and afters because I think on social, it's easy to see the end results of where people either got in their fitness journey or their skincare or their careers. But I love that you show the before too, because it was kind of like the quote you posted on Instagram the other day. And I screenshotted like a little tiny corner of a story you posted. And it said like, (laughs) celebrate the moments along the way. Cause you know, paraphrasing, but it was basically like life and career. It's not just these big milestones, but like it's the moments it took to get there. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself that you don't own, like, it doesn't only count when you do something huge, you know, <laughs> when you land a cover or when you have a big launch or you, you do something that you, you would Instagram about. It's all the behind the scenes stuff that people don't see the, the getting up every single day and, and working towards a goal. I, I think that people forget that because of social media. And part of the reason why I share these kinds of photos and, and honestly, I'm going to be, you know, I, I was really nervous to share photos of my skin when I was really bad because I didn't want to show people that vulnerable side of me. And then I realized that it could help people to show them that I'm not always 100% perfect or glamorous or that I'm, you know, that I'm constantly put together because I'm absolutely not. And, and I feel like that's liberating in a way, kind of 
telling people, hey, I have bad skin days. They're temporary and it's okay. You'll be okay too. I think it also makes you so credible in your job because when you're speaking about products and reviewing them and sharing brands and things you love, it's like, I've gone through this. So when I'm speaking about an acne product, it's because I truly know and I went through this. And so this is what worked for me. And then I want to ask, it's a two-part question. The not so fun parts of your job, which you kind of touched on a little bit already, which is like the behind the scenes parts. And then what are your most fun and best parts of what you do? I really do have fun when I'm also researching and writing and, and more like in front of my computer, just because that's kind of why I went into this industry in the first place. I wanted to be a writer. That was my first love uh, before I wanted to get into the beauty industry. So this is kind of a, a great way to marry both. I would say that other unglamorous, so to speak, parts of my job would be the the hours of interviews and research that, that I do to sometimes write only 250 words. Wow. <laughs> you know, just the, the amount of uh, expertise that, that goes behind trying to write something is, is never really seen, you know, and uh, I read a lot of studies. I, I go through a lot of products. I test a lot of things and I a lot of times sacrifice my own skin for that. <laughs> yeah. We're like, it's like being like a human guinea pig. And I think sometimes yes. like when you're testing and trying things, when I first started getting free product, I was so grateful and so excited that I was getting stuff sent to me that I started trying everything. Oh and then God, my same. skin freaked out. And I had no. so many blemishes like across my whole forehead, my whole jawline. And I started seeing actually Shawnee Darden, an esthetician um, in 2013. And she was like, what are you using? And I was like, well, everyone's sending me all this stuff. So I'm trying all these things. <laughs> oh, and no. I slowly learned like I can't do that. And so now when I test products first, I patch test a little bit here. And then I, I feel like I have a good sense now of like what works for me and what doesn't. A first world problem, like so grateful to get these things, but also it's hard when it, it sacrifices your skin. So now what I do is with a lot of my products, I either um, do giveaways on social and I give them away or I donate them. And so even though I'm not using them, they go to good use if I still receive the products. Yeah. Somebody suggested to me recently to just use stuff on my body, like on my arms and legs and whatnot. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Moisturizer belongs there too. <laughs> yeah. Any face lotion I get that I'm nervous to like use as a moisturizer on my own skin that someone sends me, I use as like a hand lotion or a neck lotion because it's not as sensitive there. So I can use it on other parts of my body and it, it won't irritate my skin. So it definitely goes to use because I'm super dry. <laughs> I want to ask, where did you learn or gain most of your experience? And then it's probably a combination of everywhere you've been up to now, but I didn't know if there was one place that was like really impactful on your career. Interning was a huge part of where I learned everything that I know, just because it was the opportunity to really observe editors who I admired and see how they work and how the entire industry works. So even my first internship, was at stylecaster.com and they're a big website now, but this was a, this is when they just started. No one really knew about them. And I was working in the fashion closet. So it was my job to call in all of the products that we were going to shoot and, you know, return them by like on foot. So I would go on the subway with like tons of garment bags and go up and downtown in Manhattan in New York and, and go to these different showrooms to drop off products and get products back. And, and I feel like doing things like that really helped me learn about the industry from the bottom up. Helped me learn who represents who, how agencies work, how PR works, how marketing works, how photo shoots work, and how creatives like photographers work. I feel like doing things like that really helped me 
learn all the skills that I needed to know to move up. And I would say that writing for a bunch of websites, like thankfully all of my my editors that I worked with going up really had a lot of opportunity for me. Like they they trusted me. And, and I think that that's a huge thing is like finding bosses who trust you to, who want you to grow and gave me opportunities to write for these amazing publications, even when I was still in college and still learning. So I feel like the best way that I learned was by doing. I think so too. I think you learn so much and especially as an intern, because I think you don't get siloed into like one department. So you kind of get to learn a little bit of everything. And I think it's a great opportunity to figure out like, is this job really for me? Do I truly want this before I commit to making this my career? Or is there somewhere within this business where this is a, is, this department is better suited for me? But internships are really hard to either find or to get. So where do you even start to look for internships or where did you at that time? Sure. So there was a website called ed2010.com and I learned about it from all of my classmates in journalism school and everyone was finding internships there. So I looked all over, I applied to pretty much everything and I made sure to tailor my resume for every single job. I made sure to make a custom cover letter for every single job. And I didn't just apply through the formal apply button. I would hunt down people on LinkedIn. I would find out their names. I would try every email configuration (laughs) so that that I could get my email in their inbox and hopefully they would answer me. I definitely looked at job boards and I I went to my school job boards. I talked to people and a lot of it was actually by word of mouth. Part of the great part of internships is that you you have peers that you move up with. And so whenever someone who I was interning with would go to another publication, I would be able to find out who works there and if they're looking for an opening. And so eventually as you move up, you expand your network. And, and thankfully, if you're good and you know you really stand out, people will want to help you. Of course. This is, it's such a journalist of you to like do the research and be able to find all (laughs) the information that you need, because I feel like it's really like the best way. And I think people just think there's an easy answer and they just can't find it. And I think there is no easy answer. You have to like really do the work and research to find these opportunities for yourself. And it's such a numbers game of just like the more you apply, the more you reach out, hopefully one of them will work out. This is so true. And I feel like I always say that you should put your goals out there, like definitely be very loud about them. I was always telling people that I wanted to work at Elle Magazine. I would tell anybody who listened, I was like, it's my dream to work at Elle Magazine. I've been subscribed since I was 17. And I would say this all the time so that when there was finally an opening, I was able to get offered a job. So it's kind of like, if you keep planting that seed and, you know, telling everyone who will listen to you, what you're big dreams are or what your goals are, then people will want to help you. That's an amazing piece of advice. And not only are other people hearing it, but I think it's like the power of positive thinking and like manifesting and like putting it out into the universe and like speaking it to existence. So that's something that I definitely do too. Uh, But you do have a journalism background. And so you did go to school for that. Do you think it's necessary now for people to have to have a journalism degree or have gone to college to follow this career path? Say no, just because there are so many other ways that you can get in. You know, you could have an art history background, you can have a communications background that's more general as opposed to focus on journalism. And I, I don't think there was ever, because there's no straight path into becoming an editor at a magazine or a website, I don't think that there has ever been a guidebook telling you exactly what major to do. For me, I was interested in writing, so I thought journalism would make the most sense. But I definitely worked with people who never even studied journalism at all. People who studied, you know, like 
ancient history <laughs> of, different, of different, you know, uh, different cultures and people who studied anthropology. And I think that the most important thing is it's not so much what you majored in or what you studied in school. It's what you're doing outside of school to help to help you gain your experience because experience is the more is more important as somebody who hires people like experience is way more important to me than whatever your major was in college if you were involved in the college newspaper or the high school newspaper or if you started even better if you started your own fashion blog i feel like that to me is is what's really impressive i remember i interviewed somebody who was going to columbia journalism school but I was actually even more impressed by the fact that she started her own community on Instagram and that it was, she was interviewing people and, and writing profiles on people on this Instagram. And I was so enthralled. I was like, this is so smart. This person is who I'm going to hire. That's so amazing. Cause that leads me into my next question of like advice you have for recent graduates. So if someone just recently graduated from school and they're looking for a job in this field, what do they do next? If you're looking for a job in this field, know that it's not going to be immediate or easy and that there's going to be a lot of competition because, you know, if you've ever watched The Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> they say it's the job a million girls would kill for. And it's absolutely true because of just the access and amazing experiences and the just the creativity that you're able to, to do in this job. So I would say that the biggest thing is to... Make sure that wherever you work, whether it's an internship or a part-time job, that you have made a really good impact, that you've left a great impression, that people will remember you because they're going to be the ones who are your key to your next job. So whether or not they're hiring currently or you know they know somebody who's hiring or it's all about maintaining your network and making sure that when the opportunity comes that you're ready. So make sure that your resume is in tip top shape and that you're that you know what your wins are, that you have them in your back pocket and that you're able to to call on them, you know, whether you're proud of a project that you did or a story that you wrote or something or launching an Instagram. I think that knowing all of the, the selling points, like you said, Mariana, about selling yourself, being your own PR, definitely, definitely know that and, and be ready. And I I would say don't be afraid to to cold email people. I get cold emails all the time from aspiring, you know, writers and editors who just want to learn more and, and they ask for 15 minutes of my time and I and I give whatever advice and it always makes me happy to hear months later when they get a job. <laughs> and they said, "Thank you so much." <laughs> I think cuz there's a couple scenarios too because if you think about networking in your field, it ends up being small industries whatever it is that you do and so I think not burning any bridges and keeping really good relationships with whoever you do cuz even though even if you leave a job now or quit that doesn't mean that relationship's over because you might have to work with these people again at a ne another company like this coworker you might have not liked before might get hired at your next job. And so you always want to keep really friendly. And just like those people who cold email you and reach out to you now, that was that girl who you were a few years ago, cold emailing people. And the people who responded to you, you'll remember and you show those people love later. Like in my career too, I remember some of the first brands I worked with as an influencer, the first people who invited me to stuff when I was begging to go to fashion weeks and begging to go to events. I remember those people now. And now that, you know, I've grown up in my career, I definitely am so grateful for the people who, you know, reached out or responded to me so many years ago. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you want to be that person for somebody else and make sure that you help others as well. Because I feel like for me, I, a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, why do you like to talk so much about your career and, and, you know, share advice? And I always think like, there's no point to me having this knowledge if I'm not paying it forward, you know, that especially knowing that I didn't really have a lot of opportunity or or mentorship or connections coming into the industries. That's why I want to help people as much as I can. Uh, And yeah, you, you will always remember the people who were there for you, your very first, you know, bosses or someone who gave you a chance. And then at the beginning, I know it's hard too, because we're all struggling and we're telling our dreams to our friends and family. And some people either don't get where you're trying to go or they don't support you. So how do you stay motivated if the people in your life don't see the vision of where you're trying to go? It's really hard because of course you want to have the support of, of friends and family and, and peers. And it can feel really lonely when you're chasing after your dreams. That's something that a lot of people don't realize is that it can be really, really lonely. And, and sometimes people won't understand you because you're so ambitious, you're so determined, and you have this vision for your life that maybe people don't, don't understand, you know, they don't, they don't understand why, why you're so motivated. And I think to that, I would say, you have to keep your blinders on a little bit, you have to just continue your path and continue moving forward, because the only person that you need to prove yourself to is yourself. You know, you don't need to prove yourself to your friends and family or, or people who didn't believe in you or, or anyone on social media, you just have to, you have to do it for yourself because you, you know what you want and you have this belief in yourself and, and don't let anybody take away that fire that's in you because that's what makes you special. You know, uh, that determination or the motivation that you have for yourself is what makes you special. And I think that, it, you know, I experienced some of this as well because I come from, you know, immigrant family. My parents are from the Philippines and they were very supportive of me, but my friends and their parents who are also immigrants didn't have that same luxury. You know, I saw a lot of people going into fields of work that they necessarily didn't want to do because they thought that it was going to be stable and safe. And I was going for a very risky job. <laughs> and, and it was kind of like hearing, hearing a lot of, are you sure? Are you going to make money? How are you going to afford this? How are you going to pay for your student loans? And, you know, it's just, there, it's, it just comes from a lack of understanding of the, of the options are out, that are out there. So if you prove to yourself that you can do it and you make it happen, then I think that that speaks for itself and, and you don't need to seek that validation from other people. That's amazing advice. And that's what I'm hoping to bring to people with this podcast is seeing the career journeys and the options of so many people so that if you don't know anyone who has this field, you're hopefully going to relate to your story or someone else's story to see like, okay, this really is possible. And these are the steps that I can take to get there. And I think that's what helped me so much when at the beginning, when I was first like creating content, I saw very early stages of people who were YouTubers. And I saw like, okay, this is really possible. Everything I learned in school, I can apply to YouTube now instead of traditional TV. And then same when I started just uh, Summer Fridays with Lauren, we saw other founders' stories and we were like, if she can do it, we can too. And we were so mm-hmm. inspired hearing from other people and your story is so inspiring. And I just love hearing from you. Oh, thanks, Mariana. <laughs> I, I'm so, ins- I'm, I've always been inspired by you, like even before I met you. So, so it's been like such a pleasure to get to know you on a more personal level. And, you know, I would just, you know, I love what you just said about you know, seeing other people achieve it is kind of what made you believe that you could do it too. 
So that's like what it's all about, right? Like you're creating a path for other people too. You can't be what you can't see. I always, I always think that. So if, if you are, you know, you're an example to so many people, or if I can be an example to people, then I feel like everything's just going to be much better. And I want to ask you too about um, your job specifically. So I know a lot of people are in-house, but a lot of people are leaving now and going freelance. What are the pros and cons of being freelance versus in-house? Or like, what are the differences if people aren't sure what that means? Sure. So when you are freelance, you don't work for a specific publication or, you know, you're not hired at a, at a company that runs a magazine like Condé Nast or Hearst or Meredith or all these big, big companies. So you're on your own. And the pros of that, I would say, is that you are your own boss. And that's kind of always the dream, right? <laughs> when being your own boss and setting your own schedule and saying yes to the projects that you want to say yes to, saying no to the projects that you want to say no to, and really having the, you know, that that self-starter motivation, I think is is such a, a pro because you will definitely work super hard and you'll have to hustle a little harder because you don't have the name of a big magazine or a big brand behind you. But in a way, that's great because then that makes you establish yourself. The difference is when you're working for a magazine, you kind of do have that the power behind you of a name like Elle or Women's Health or Vogue or wherever you work and that people will give you access and they'll give you the time of day because you immediately have that legitimacy of a long established brand. So in a way, you don't have to hustle as hard because, because people want to be in Vogue or they want to be in these magazines and, and they want to be associated with you and, and will say yes to you. And you, you do have the resources to do a big photo shoot, a big video series or, or anything like that. So I would say there's pros and cons to both and, and there's no right or wrong way to do things. Uh, you know, I would, I wouldn't say I'll never go freelance. I wouldn't say I'll only stay in magazines. I think that I admire people on both sides and it comes down to personality, you know, like what, what motivates you? Can you be somebody who will wake up every day and you don't need, you don't need the structure of, of having like a a desk job or are you somebody who really thrives in like a team environment? And if you're a freelance writer right now, and let's say they want to work they want to write a piece for your magazine are, do people hire freelance writers, like regardless of where they may live? So maybe if someone's a, a, an amazing writer, but they don't live in a major city. Yes, definitely. I think that's the advantage of, of being able to work remotely right now. A lot of people that we work with don't even live in New York city. And I think I would argue in, to even be in this job, you don't have to work and you don't have to work and live in New York city anymore. So I would say the main thing is that you just have to have a good story, a good pitch. If you want to pitch an editor, definitely have it a fully fleshed out thought. So have a headline for your story. Definitely what, what you imagine it would look like on the page. So 10 best mascaras, for example, <laughs> if that's, if that's what you want to pitch, you definitely need a headline. You need one or two sentences about why you want to write the story, why it's interesting to you, and most importantly, why you're the writer for this story. You know, why you are the person that we should hire. Is it because you have your own mascara brand and you're an expert in formulation? Or is it because you've tried 100 mascaras and so you definitely know the best? Anything that qualifies you to be the expert on a topic is definitely something to keep in mind and, and to include. And then just, uh, you know, when you're pitching, you just want to, you want to make it as easy as possible for whoever editor you're speaking to, to imagine this living inside of the publication or the magazine that you're in, because 
if you do the research beforehand and you're like, oh, I see that they always like to do a story in this way, or I see that they're missing this kind of story, then when you pitch it, it's kind of like you did that research and you know, so you are so much more likely to get a yes. Oh, that's such great advice. And how important do you think a personal platform is when it comes to your job, whether you're in-house or freelancer? Are are bosses looking at this of like an added place for you to share your links? Because I think, especially with digital, it's probably all about your clicks. Yes. Yeah. Clicks and traffic are definitely important when it comes to digital. It's it's funny because when I was coming up in in journalism and in the magazine world, it was like pre-Instagram. So it was really, really fascinating to me to see how social media really changed the way that editors were because editors used to be totally behind the scenes. Like you didn't know about them unless you were looking at photos of who's sitting where in fashion week. And, uh, you know, unless you were reading, you know, who the, who wrote this story and you were looking at a masthead and, and that was really only people who cared about that. I feel like ever since social media happened, the job of an editor has changed because then you become a lot more of a public facing person as opposed to somebody who's strictly behind the scenes. And I would say that it's it's definitely something to juggle. I, I would say it's definitely not necessarily important for you to have a, a big social following in order to be a good reporter, a journalist at a magazine, but I would say it, it never hurts. It never hurts to be able to have personal branding, to be able to have your own social media following, because it only shows that people are drawn to you and the way that you tell stories. Mm-hmm. So it's only a plus, you know, Absolutely. it's only, only a weight that will just like help you sell yourself. If someone doesn't have a journalism background or they aren't a writer, what other jobs are there at magazines that people could apply for? Oh, there's so many. (laughs) There's a lot of jobs. I think when people think magazine, they think, okay, I have to be a writer to work here, but there's so many other departments in the art department and sales teams. Yes. Yeah. So I would say if I, if I could choose a job that wasn't my own within the magazine world, I would say that I would love to be a producer. So the producers are, are the people who, who create all of the photo shoots, all of the videos, and they're constantly on set and, and, and putting together all of these, these creative ideas that editors come up with and bringing them to life. So working with stylists, working with photographers and models and makeup Ooh, artists. sounds like such a fun job. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally is. And, and whenever I'm on set, when I'm, I'm working on a, a shoot that I'm, I'm, a, I'm the beauty director for, I always think, oh man, it would be so fun to be the person who puts this all together. Although I'm sure if you asked a producer, they'd be like, don't do it <laughs> because of the, all of the, the, the pieces that you have to put together. But I would say that you could be a producer, you could be a stylist, somebody who styles all of the photo shoots, chooses the fashion for every single shot that's done in the magazine. You could be somebody who is more on the managing side of things. You're the one who like rallies the troops and makes sure everybody stays on deadline. You could be on the sales side, on the marketing side, where you really try to sell the magazine or sell the publication that you're working at. And, you know, there's so many ways that a magazine comes together and it really takes such a huge team. Amazing. My last question is, is it ever too late to try to get into your industry? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's, it's ever too, too late to do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. I, I feel like these days, so many people do career changes. You know, my, my older brother, he was in television production for a decade. And then we went from doing that to being a computer engineer. He just learned how to code. (laughs) He 
learned how to code. He's very smart. He learned how to code in six months. And then he was a computer engineer after having been a television producer at a big network. And it was a total change. And so when I see that, and I, I see this happen a lot with people, you know, they either, they used to be a dancer and now they're a pastry chef. I feel like it's never too late to do anything. You know, experience can only help you. If you're somebody who you think you started late because you didn't choose journalism when you were in college or you didn't start out interning until you after you graduated as opposed to people who started when they were 18. I would say that it really is never too late and if you're if you're determined and really want to get into this industry then you will stand out because you have experience. You have that life experience behind you. I think it it only helps give you a, a better perspective and and a wider view of things that you might not have if you just had, you know, you were strictly on a journalism path. And if people wanted to apply for a job at Women's Health, do you guys have like a career board or somewhere you post job listings? Yeah, our, our job listings would be posted on the Hearst Magazine's career site. So that's usually where things would be posted or LinkedIn. Honestly, LinkedIn is where it's at, everybody. Like <laughs> every, there's there's LinkedIn influencers. <laughs> I know Gary V was talking about like how he said that like a year ago, he was telling everyone to get on TikTok and LinkedIn. And he was like, he was like, TikTok is for Gen Z and LinkedIn is for this other demographic. And these people also need social media followers and inspiring information. And every time I go onto LinkedIn, there's so much information. And like you said before, if there's someone you're trying to track down that works at some company, you can most likely find them and message them on there. Um, So it's such a great platform to be on. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And if people want to follow you, what is your Instagram? It's at Christina Rodolfo. That's my handle everywhere, but I'm most active on Instagram and I love inter interacting with people over DM and comments. And, you know, I'm very active. I share a lot of my life. And, and if you're interested in learning more about what it's like to be a a beauty editor, I definitely show a lot of that. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you chatting with me today. Thank you, Mariana. This was so much fun. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.